really rich. And then answer. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Yeah. All right. Using these four categories of cars, luxury, high-performance sports car, off-road, or vacation and travel, you have to choose one automobile and describe why you'd buy it. If you could have just had to choose one, describe it and why you buy it. But they're not up there. Oh, let me say them again. All right. Pretend you're fabulously rich. Luxury car, high-performance sports car, off-road, or and then vacation slash travel RV vehicle. Okay, so I want you to pick one. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them which one you would buy and why you would buy it. Two? Sports car? Yep. <laughs> All right, let's take about another 10 seconds. We'll bring it together here. <clears throat> All right, let's do this by a show of hands. How many of you picked the luxury vehicle? All right, these are typically the greedy people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many of you wanted the uh, high-performance sports car? Yeah. yeah, these are typically the people in midlife crisis, and so just... Um... <laughs> How many of you uh, wanted the off-road vehicle? Yeah, these are your rule breakers. Yeah. You say choose A, B, or C, they're like, I'll take D, and I'll pass people on the shoulder of the road. Thank you very much, right? <laughs> Who here picked the, uh, the motor coach, the RV, the vacation thing? These are people who don't get out much. <laughs> so if you could just keep your hand up, they need some friends. And so if you guys can invite them to sit by you at the food trucks, it would be super helpful. All right, let's go eat. No, here we go. Listen, a few weeks ago, I did a message, on, a vision message for the church, and just talked about the radical pivot that we're looking to create. And so uh, we're, one of the things we're looking to do is to become a biblically functioning community, to become the church that Jesus dreamed of, the one that's pictured in the, in the Bible with all, all the one another's and all that good stuff. <clears throat> community is God's dream for humanity. I want you guys to get this. God himself exists in community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not like God all by himself up there, and so he created some angels because he was lonely. Like God himself, he exists in community, and he's inviting us into that community to become his dream. I believe transformation takes, be takes place best in the soil of community. To be a place where nobody stands alone. I hit these in the vision message. Where you can know and be known, love and be loved, serve and be served, celebrate and be celebrated. It's about being a family on a mission. It's about the church going from the zoo to the jungle. You guys remember that? Madagascar, remember the whole thing there? All right, there's a few of you. All right, good, good, good. And so, uh, so as it was said in the announcements, we're going to be following the pattern of the book of Acts where they met in temple courts, they met corporately, but they also met house to house. And so you don't have to meet house to house, but the idea is we're making room for you to be the church. We can't just limit church to just two hours on Sunday, and so, uh, or two and a half, or an hour and a half, just depending on how things are going, right? And so, uh, so the first and third, beginning in August, the first and third Sundays will be meeting corporately, the second, fourth, and if there's a fifth Sunday, go be the church. 
And so one of the things I want to talk to you about is I think one of the most powerful ways to actually reach our city is to just simply obey the command, love your neighbor. This, this would revolutionize everything. So if you turn to me to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, one group, there was a group of religious, one day in the Bible, there was a group of religious leaders and looking to kind of trick Jesus. These were guys who were experts in debate on the law. They loved to nitpick and everything. So they're going to try to kind of trap Jesus in some words. So here we pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. So the first command, this is, this is nothing new here. Uh, this is part of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6. It gave this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And so a religious Jew, they would pray this prayer. It's called the Shema. They would, they would pray it several times a day. So this was nothing new. But then the next part of Jesus' verse, it would actually change the course of human history forever if we would follow it. He says this, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like the first part wasn't new. The second part was like, whoa, nuclear level what are you talking about? Because religious people, they just want to love God. I mean, people even make the joke, I love God, but it's just people I have a problem with. Right? Like people joke about that. The, one of the ways that you love God is by loving people. They're two sides of the same coin. Think about this. If the church of Jesus Christ were to do this all over the Columbus region, almost every problem that we have in our city would be solved. Yeah, I guess, and this isn't like some radical, let's get together and strategize, and how can we do this? Jesus is giving us the answer to just about every problem in our city. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, of course, uh, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength comes first. Listen, you're not going to have the resources to love some of the most obnoxious people on the planet unless you are tapped into the supernatural, until you are tapped into the kingdom, until you're receiving the wisdom and the insight and the patience and the love and the kindness to be able to do these things. That's why that's why that, that part comes first. Love your neighbor is the second command and not the first. Get this picture. God is already present in our cities. A lot of people are like, rend the heavens and come down. He's everywhere. All right, we're not trying to get God in the room. We're trying to increase our awareness of, of what is already there. God's already present in our cities. He's already at work in our cities. He's simply inviting us to join him in the work that he's already doing. Jesus became, Jesus became man so we could see what God was like. Only through us are people going to see what Jesus is like. People actually have to, we become the hands and feet. We're called the body of Christ for a reason. We are the representation of God's kingdom and the king on earth. They're not going to just like wake up and like, oh, that's what God's like. No, they're going to see it through his people. When he says that the great commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, <clears throat> Jesus is basically making a statement saying, this is pretty much all you have to do. He summarized the entire Old Testament, 39 books, all the history. Love God, love people, pass it on. I guess like he's making it really simple. What about this and what about this? If you just focus on loving God, you'd receive the resources to love people, pass it on, changes the world. Now, we're going to get practical here in just a second. I'm going to turn this into a little bit of a workshop. I'm even going to have you get out your phones and type some things out. I'm going to have you answer some questions. You guys okay with that? I'm going to have you do it anyway. I mean, so. <laughs> but we're going to have to love beyond human ability, but that's totally accessible to us because of who we are in Christ. Okay, this can't just be like, hey, let's be nice. You know, let, let's make a new resolution today that we're going to be nice people. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about being loving people. 
supernatural loving people. And Jesus is stating that the fundamental way to reach the world is to love your neighbor as yourself in the power of God. I'm afraid that too many times in the church we've gone to these great lengths to develop these programs to reach people. Guys, we need programs to reach people. We need all those things. But I think sometimes it's easier to go and reach people out there than it is to actually love the person who's our neighbor, who that we're in intimate contact with. It's easier to go and love some stranger than it is that person that you work with, that you go to school with, that lives on your street, that lives in your house. I'm just going to pause on that one for a second. We doing all right? I think too much of love your neighbors being farmed out to government agencies. Here's, here's a, here's a newsflash. The whole reason the church was given a tax-exempt status is because they were supposed to be taking care of the widows and the orphans and all the problems. The widows and the orphans who are talked about so much in the Bible, they cannot be properly helped by just official resources. They actually need people to love them. Many of our neighbors, they live in a shocking isolation and loneliness. Loneliness is like the leprosy of the day. So often the widow and orphan in our day is someone who has enough to eat, but they're starved in their soul. They don't know that God loves them because it hasn't come to them through the people around them. Luke chapter 10, verse 29. This is in the context. Jesus just talked about love your neighbor as yourself. He just does that. And now here's the very next verse. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from... I love when Jesus replies with a story. (laughs) Well, what's the answer to this question? Let me tell you a story. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, a pastor. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, worship leader, this is you and me, Mary, hey! (laughs) So likewise, a Levite, when he came to a place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. I want you to notice, the other people saw him. It says that all three of those guys, they saw him. But this one had something different. He had compassion. Compassion is something about who you are, It's not just something that you do. Okay? We're going to see that in just a second. Verse 34, he went went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. I'm not sure how that's effective. I guess the oil for the wounds, the wine for the pain. I don't know what's going on here. I'm not exactly sure. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, a denarii is the amount of money. Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? Jesus, verse 37, Jesus said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Man, this is pretty powerful. It's a popular story. A lot lot of people know this. A couple points that uh, Jesus is making. Um, Sometimes our religiosity can crowd out the two great commandments in this story, especially the second one. Here's these people, they had, they had important business to do. I mean, this is a pastor, this is a worship leader, Levite. Levite's probably going to make some sacrifices at the temple. I mean, these are commands of God that they are keeping up. Guys, sometimes we can get so churchy and so religious that we miss the very people in front of us. I'm about to say something super offensive that is gymology. This is not thus saith the Lord. Okay, you guys ready? 
I think sometimes on Halloween, we hide out from the devil's holiday rather than have a big party and show people that we actually love them and have fun. Like, we're so afraid of, like, it's the devil's holiday. I mean, guys, I'm not saying celebrate the devil, but you've got people coming right into your neighborhood, and it's a terrible witness to have the door shut and the doors locked and we're hiding in the basement watching Veggie Tales. <laughs> Why not buy a Darth Vader outfit, go on and pass out the giant candy bars and love on some people? End of gemology. Back to the message. If you don't agree with that, at least get the point. We can be so busy uh, going to a church activities and going to outreaches, doing all these things, we miss our neighbors. The very people that God has us in a circle of contact with, the very people that we're working with, we can't help them because we're so busy going to the next conference. Boy, if only there was a church that was doing church less so that we could have time to... <clears throat> Tell me more. What was the difference with the Samaritan? Some people would say he acted. And I would say, no, that's not the difference. The difference was he had compassion. It says when he saw him, he had compassion. The churchy people, they saw him, but they did not have compassion. A person of compassion, they feel the needs of other people. And it's not something that you just turn off and on. Like I, let me just say this. I'm not against conferences and church activities. I'm saying I'm against the busyness that insulates us from the very people we're called to love. And it can become a churchy excuse like the Levite and the priest walking on the other side of the room to actually obey the commands of Jesus and love our neighbor. All right, I feel better. Balanced it out a little bit. Okay, um, what was I trying to say? Oh yeah, compassion. It's not like a faucet that you turn on, on and off. It's always on. It's a constant burden of life, and a lot of people reject that. They don't want to feel that compassion. They don't want to be uh, you know, acquainted with the, the needs of other people. But that's what biblical compassion is. Loving your neighbor as yourself is a primarily a matter of who you are, not just what you decide to do. This is, guys, this is part of our identity. We are loving people. And the reason that we're able to do this is because love himself has come and live in the inside of us. This is why the first command precedes the second command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I have completely devoted myself to you and your purposes, and I'm going to need your resources. So now I'm viewing, this lens with a, uh, through, I'm viewing this world through a lens of it's not all about me. See, when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you're not just seeking first your own kingdom or your own queendom. You're welcome, women. Guys, we can get so ingrown. I've even watched people do this over their destiny. They've made their destiny, which is to be a light, salt, and leaven in God's planet here, just to spread his name, spread his goodness. They've made it all about them. Well, I just can't do this because it's about my destiny and it's about me and I got, I got 30 prophetic words and I still don't know what to do. Go serve somewhere and the light will get more clear. When it's all about you, you're going to be stumbling around like a person in the dark. I don't know where all this is coming from. We'll blame it on God. He's invisible, right? I mean, so, yeah. You can only afford to be compassionate if you've received an abundance of compassion from the Lord himself. It's easy to love other people when you recognize that you have this unlimited supply of love coming your way regardless of your performance. That's why, guys, I keep going back to this. The first commandment precedes the second one. We love the Lord God. How do we love him? We love him because he first loved us. That's the new covenant. And so, Lord, I'm receiving your compassion. I'm receiving your goodness. And because I get, now, now that I have so much, I can afford to give it away. People who are stingy with their love, they haven't heard the good news. 
All right, let's turn this into a little workshop, and then we'll go eat. You guys ready? All right. I, oh, the, the teachings of Dallas Willard have been super helpful to me on this. I think it's just always good to give credit. So the first major step in becoming those, um, this is a little bit of a repeat here, and I'm going to get into some newer stuff. Um, the first major step to becoming those who love their neighbors as themselves is you're going to decide to live in God's compassion. Again, I'm going to be continually filled up by his love. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to accomplish this command. Okay, you're going to run out of human strength by about the second obnoxious person that you come into contact with. I think I prophesied over you last week that God was going to give you obnoxious people in your pathway to help you learn how to live out honor. How many of you had a fulfillment of that prophecy in this past week? Yes. You're welcome for that. I prophesy it will happen again these next seven days. There you go. Okay, so let's say you are a person who's received compassion. You're a person who you're feeding on the love of God. You're, fe- you're feasting on his goodness, okay? And now you can afford to be compassionate, okay? The next major step, here's what we're going to do, is we're going to decide who your neighbors are. Biblically, we're going to decide who your neighbors are. I would define it as this. Your neighbors are simply those who you're intimately engaged with in life. It could be on a regular basis, or it could be like this good Samaritan. He came upon a person who was in a bad situation. He was moved with compassion, and he became engaged in his life. We heard about it uh, during the testimonies of worship. There was somebody who um, had, you know, had like terrible pain going through their body, and they're engaged in a conversation, and they decided to make this person their neighbor and love them. They could have just you know, told them something good, handed them a track, or, you know, walked away, but they became engaged, prayed for them, and all the pain left their body. When we think a neighbor today, I think a lot of us, we think next door neighbor, like, the, like those type of things, and definitely is going to include that. But I think we have to go, the, the biblical definition of neighbor, um, it, we, gotta, we can't overlook the ones that we're most intimately engaged with. Think about the ones in your house. I grew up uh, hearing lots of stories of great men and women of God who were off winning the world for Jesus, but their home life suffered and their kids didn't have a relationship with them, didn't want anything to do with God, because why would God take mom and dad away from me and I never see him again? They're out working for God. The work of God will never destroy God's work in you and your family if you're doing it right. Okay? So when you begin to think of your neighbor, I think uh, that we don't want to overlook the fact that you may, if, you, if you're married, if you've got uh, kids, you may have some neighbors living right in your house, those who you're intimately engaged with. Okay? Are we all right? Okay, so there's some people who, okay, let's not make the mistake on the other side and make it all about those living in our house. So many people can become so ingrown, and it's just about me and my family and family time. I got family, 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 that um, it's not just all about you and your family. You're supposed to take what's going on in your family and spread that to people who don't have any. Do you see the two extremes? I'm going to go win the world. It's all about me and my family. Neither one of those are kingdom. They're perversions of it. Your neighbors could include those who you most closely work with or you go to school with or actually live in your neighborhood, okay? And so, um, so here's what we're going to do here. Oh, no, I don't have that part yet. Okay, we're going to do an... Okay, I'm, we have an exercise coming up. Let me just give you a couple more things here. I screwed my notes up, but I'm going to move on. Let me give you a couple ideas with uh, starting to love your neighbors. And let's just apply this to your neighborhood. 
Okay, I mean, I, t- I know it, it is like really hard to get to know your neighbors nowadays. It's like people are busy, you wave in the driveway, you know, or, or wherever, in the parking lot if you're in an apartment, whatever it looks like, it's, it's difficult. But we've got to push past that and see that God has put some of these people on our path and he may, have, may actually be highlighting some of us to build a relationship with it. So maybe this is a start. Ready for this? This is real creative. Pray for your neighbors. If we were to go around the room, I bet you there's a lot of us, we, it just never even crossed our mind. We get so busy with things. And so pray for your neighbors. If you're walking through the neighborhood, pray for your neighbors by name. As you're passing that house, Lord, I pray for so-and-so. If you know their physical needs, their spiritual needs, the concerns that they have, health issues that they have, pray for those specifically. If you know specific needs, if, appropriate, uh, if it's appropriate at a certain time and they share a need, pray for healing if it's appropriate. Sometimes it's not appropriate. Um, Sometimes it's too much for a person on the first date, you know? It's like you've never had a real conversation, all of a sudden you're like, ah, you know? And so um, just follow the Lord on that one. There's no hard and fast rules. I used to fall into this religious trap that I had to pray for every sick person, share a testimony, bring up the God thing every time I was engaged with a neighbor. And um, I, think, I think I turned some of them off. It was weird. It was a religious thing. It wasn't me trying to love them. It was me had this religious thing, feeling like I had to share Jesus or I wasn't being a good witness. Love your neighbors, okay? As you're sharing your story and they're sharing their stories, it's, it's called a relationship, conversation, then uh, there may be a time where you get to share God's story. But when you force it in there, all it does is make everybody awkward. It's not really love. You're trying to manipulate them. When I'm talking about loving your neighbor, I'm not saying target them for evangelism. Right. Nobody wants to be your target. No one wants to be your God project. Right. He said, love your neighbors, you know what love means? Without conditions, without strings attached. Of course, we're praying for them to get saved. That's part of us loving them. We want them to come to know the Lord. But we're not being nice to you so that you can get saved. That's not love. That's manipulation. That's like a husband being nice to his wife so that, okay. Sorry that my children had to hear that. Okay. While you're walking and praying, engage with any neighbors you come along with on the way. Boy, taking walks in the neighborhoods is just one of the best ways to just get to know people. Stop. Hey, how's it going? Have a little brief conversation. Again, you're not targeting them. You're loving them. Spend some time in your front yard. I know, it's radical. This is radical stuff. You're like, Jim, this is deep. This is like seminary deep. Play in the front yard. Garden in your front yard. Put some lawn chairs out in the front yard and relax. All right? You'll be surprised how people warm up to you. Smile and wave at people who pass by, even if you don't know them. Some of you should be writing these things down. Smile. Oh, that's good. So good. Take time to talk to the walkers and begin to build relationships in natural ways. I'm not talking about going into stalker mode here. <laughs> All right? I'm about to give you a secret training on how to talk to people. This is top secret level stuff. This is high level leadership stuff. I'm going to teach you how to talk to people. Are you guys ready for this? You may even employ this on Food Truck Sunday. Okay? You may, you may have to pull these out of your tool chest quicker than you thought. You ready for this? When you're talking with somebody, here's the best way to do it, is find something that you connect about and talk about that. Well, Jim, we don't have anything to connect about. Strategy number two is you begin to play investigative reporter. Wow, I never thought about skydiving. What's it like? What was a good day in skydiving? 
what would be a bad day? You know, I mean, whatever it might be, you know. You know, whatever their job is. I've never, oh, I've never met anybody who is a chemical warfare suit tester. Like, I'm, oh, that's an interesting job, you know. I hope that's not a job, but. <clears throat> Are you guys seeing this? You got something in common? Talk about it. You don't have something in common? Ask questions about that. Here's another one. Hey, what's that tattoo mean? All right, <laughs> said the tattooed lady in the front row. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It's uh, all right. There we go. All right. Or if there's like too many tattoos to choose from, <laughs> you know, I mean, some people it's like I can't even tell what that is. You know, it's like, and um, it's like, hey, what's your favorite tattoo, and what's it mean to you? People love to talk about themselves. You know what your favorite subject is? You. AT&T did a study one time of phone conversations. I don't, apparently, they were monitoring them. I don't know what was happening. But they found that the, the two most used words in phone conversations were I and me. <laughs> we're not talking to each other. We're talking about ourselves to other people. So ask people about themselves. Most people generally love talking about themselves. End of secret training. All right, there we go. Um, Here's something. It doesn't have to be spiritual conversations. I remember the first way I connected with one of our neighbors was when uh, Floyd Mayweather was fighting Conor McGregor. You guys remember that? And, um, oh, that was just fascinating. I mean, we all knew McGregor was going to lose, but there was that, slow, that little bit of hope that maybe, you know, that unorthodox stance and everything. And so um, but here we are in the front driveway talking about Floyd Mayweather. It's a fight. It's a boxing match. And so anyway, some of you are like, you lost me, Jim, at the, at the boxing thing. All right. So... Um, Here's a good, some more tips on being a good neighbor. Take care of your property. It needed to be said, guys. You're not a good witness if your front yard looks like Sanford and Son. That was a TV show about a junkyard. and so. Okay, here's another good one. If your dog barks all the time, come up with a solution. This is gold. I'm literally giving you guys gold. If you, can't, if you don't like any of these, go with this one. Do to others what you would have them do to you. I just can't think of what to do. What would you want someone to do for you? Do that. And so in our, in our neighborhood, we had three people. That had We just live in a cul-de-sac with 12 people. And we had three people that had signs in the yards for their kids were graduating. And so what do we do? We got the names of the kids, wrote our cards, put some money in there. So now my kid's going to graduate next year. And so, no, I'm just kidding. So. That's right. That's right. Tenfold. And so um, <clears throat> here's a little strategy for you. Um, so I, for, for me, this is what I do. I've, since we only got 12 in our neighborhood, so I've got all the houses um, mapped out. And so then I write down, you know, as we meet them, I write down the name of the people who are living in the house. And as I find out, I write down their kids. I write down their dog. I write down where they work, and I write down their birthday. And then I study that thing before I go up for my walk. All right, what's their, okay, all right. Hey, I look like the hero. I look like I care about their life because I do. I'm encouraging you guys to do that. Guys, these are, pri- you're like, Jim, where's the spiritual stuff? Tell us more about Leviticus. No. <laughs> you want to change the city? Love your neighbor. Learn their name. Mow your grass. This is real, all right? Um, 
as you become aware of their needs, uh, maybe they need help with their house. Maybe they've got health issues. Maybe they need somebody to bring them food. Oh, we got a food team here. Maybe they need driven somewhere. They're, they're injured or whatever. Maybe the car broke down. Um, pray for these issues and see if your revival community group can support them. So as you're loving our neighbors, you're in a revival community group. Thank you, all three of you. Was it two or three witnesses? So I've got three, three there, okay. As you're in a revival community group and as you as an individual, you're loving on your neighbors and you realize, you know what, this might be something the whole group can come in and support and show love to this person. Spend time together with your neighbors. Share life together. Maybe do a party. Maybe do have them over for dinner. Maybe have them over for dessert. Do a food truck party. Do a block party. Um, serve them. And as you're sharing your story and as they're sharing their story, maybe there'll be a time where it opens up where you can share God's story with them. There's a family in the church here. They lived on a cul-de-sac. And uh, they just kind of lived a, this is a true story. This isn't like one of those hypothetical pastor stories sometimes. And so, true story. And so as they, uh, as they just lived a contagious Christian life, as they loved their neighbors, as they reached out, as they built relationships, had fun with them, uh, the one couple was uh, not doing well in their marriage on the block. And so they came to this couple for marriage advice, and they found out that the center of the reason this couple's marriage was working is because they knew God. And so they led this couple to the Lord. So now there's two of them on the cul-de-sac. They're loving the Lord. They both come into Zion, yay God. And then um, it turned out they started reaching out to neighbor number three. Neighbor number three was having something physical happen. It was actually a demonic attack. He was choking dozens of time at night. He'd be fine during the day. He would walk. He'd be fine. He could work all day. As soon as he got home, he would begin having these choking attacks, dozens of them every night through the night, having a difficult time sleeping. And so um, couple number one had a group of friends from the church. And so they invited couple number two, and they went over to couple number three's house there and said, listen, we're here to pray for you. They prayed for him. He got delivered of this demonic attack, never had another attack since then, gave his life to the Lord. Now there's three of them in the neighborhood. Isn't that awesome? Do you see how this thing works? It didn't start off with, let's, you know, I'm not against starting Bible studies in neighborhoods. I'm not against that, but it didn't start off that way. It was just one couple being friendly. Kids played sports together. All right, now let's do a little exercise. Get out a piece of paper or a phone that you can kind of take notes on. You can email it to yourself. We're circling in for a landing here. All right, here's the first thing. Um, list a few people you are most intimately engaged with in life. We're kind of trying to define that first closest circle of neighbor. Okay, this should be a pretty small number, though obviously not in the case of a large family. Okay, so if you've got 10 kids at home, then uh, you've got a big neighborhood right there, all right? So list a few people you're most intimately engaged with in life. I'm so proud of you guys for actually doing this. This is awesome. Now, you're not going to be held to this, but just include the Lord in this. God, bring up, highlight something if I'm not thinking of somebody. Don't go on to number two yet. I just want to challenge you guys, because I think some people, they're like, you know, I think about the orphans who have AIDS in Africa, 
And it's, listen, guys, that's important. And if that's your calling, good. But again, so many people, it's so easier to do something in missions, to go on a missions trip for a week, week and a half, and do something that's super important and we need done. And I want everyone to go on a missions trip at least once every three years at the church. Okay? Guys, that is sometimes easier than it is to love that person on your list right there, to love your neighbor. That person's not your neighbor over in Africa. Okay? That's, that's somebody that you're called to reach, absolutely. But biblically from a neighbor. Okay. So... So, okay, you got a few people on your list. Okay, number two, let's t- uh, now list the next circle of degree of engagement, no more than eight or ten. Okay, so this might be neighbors, coworkers, uh, classmates, maybe people that God's highlighting, people that you uh, work out with, people that you play golf with, whatever it might be. So just now uh, number two is that next outer circle. No more than eight or ten people on this list. When you finish that, do one more circle. I'm going to circle out. Take about another 30 seconds. If you finish before the person next to you, don't fall into pride. Now some of you competitive types. All right, I encourage you, if you didn't finish this, go back through the list. Here's what I want you to do is begin with that inner circle as best as you can. Devote serious attention, thought, prayer, and service to two or three neighbors. Okay? So the Bible often has this principle of little by little. I think so many times we're like, we're going to do this. We're going to have all of them over. We're going to have a big party. And, you know, no, no, no. Again, don't go into stalker mode. Don't go crazy on this and like, why are you calling me every day all of a sudden? This is so weird. Like, but just... 
begin praying. God, just show me what we could do. You know, maybe have them over, invite them out to lunch, just something to, to begin to do that. Whatever that looks like, the Lord will give you some insight on that. Um, mow your grass. And then um, whatever it looks like. But yeah, um, what if this was God's plan to change the city? What if the whole church brought the whole gospel to the whole city? What if other churches began catching on and they began to teach their people how to love their neighbors? Pretty soon there wouldn't be a neighborhood who didn't have the love of God being shared there. What if it ain't that tricky? I didn't say it wasn't costly. I didn't say it wasn't going to require the supernatural, but I think we all got it. You guys good? Stand for closing prayer. I challenge you uh, in this next uh, week or two here, Pray, get serious, and, um, and focus, and see what the Lord will have you do with somebody on that list. Sound good? Yes. All right. So again, we've got food trucks after her, afterward, afterwards, <laughs> after here's, there's food trucks out there. And so if you want to eat indoors, we've got the Kid Nation room. Uh, we encourage people to bring lawn chairs. I think we've got some chairs out there and all that good stuff. So, um, so yeah, if you see me hiding in the shade, don't judge me. Uh, I got... I turned purple last night. It's cloudy. Well, that means the UV rays get right through. Listen, I know all about this. Stuff. I got sunburn on my Kindle reader one time, so I'm very sensitive to this stuff. Lord, we love you. You're amazing. And we ask uh, to give us an abundance of revelation of the compassion you have for us so that we are filled up so that we can give it away to other people. And Lord, if there's anyone in here, they are not feeling very loved. I pray that your people today would love on them, maybe give them an encouraging word, would somehow show them the compassion of the Father. And Lord, let us be your hands and feet to touch hurting people in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, our workplaces, our homes. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you'd like some extra prayer, our ministry teams will be the ones with tags on. They're coming up here. And uh, there'll be plenty of food in the food trucks. So act like Christians out there. 